Welcome to The Heart Zone, featuring George Cannon. This broadcast is a time of teaching and encouragement from Kerwinsville Christian Church. For more information, we invite you to visit us on the web at www.kerwinsvillechristian.org. And now for a message from The Heart Zone. Here's George Cannon. Folks, we're, we're on a journey through the Gospel of Luke. We're calling it Earth Walk. We're actually going to take it in several different sections, and we're getting to the end of this section. We only have next week, and we'll be done with chapter 11, and then we're going to pause for a series that we're going to be doing on the issue of forgiveness. But what I want you to see here today is Jesus is, remember the setting, he's at a, at a meal with a Pharisee, The Pharisee marvels that Jesus didn't wash his hands, that he didn't go through the ceremonial cleaning to make himself acceptable to God. And Jesus points out how they basically are focusing on the wrong issues and that they're not dealing with what really matters. And so what happens afterwards, we're going to be looking at verse 42 to 44, Jesus is going to address them specifically about some things that they're doing, the Pharisees are doing, that they think makes them acceptable to God. It's, 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 it's issues that they're struggling with that makes them appear self-righteous, that they got their act together. And, you know, as I was going through this, and I'm thinking, okay, what's, what's the application here for us? You know, the reality is, is that we all, and I'm saying that, we all, every one of us here, struggle with self-righteousness. I mean, every one of us here It doesn't matter what area of life you're in, whether you're in a ditch of life or you're on top of the world, every one of us here struggles with self-righteousness. There is someone or some group of people or something that we look down upon and that we see ourselves as being better for whatever reason. And this is especially true if you go to church long enough. If you go to church regularly, sooner or later, no matter how great your guard is, you're going to find yourself developing an attitude of self-righteousness. It just creeps in into your life. You have to constantly be reminding yourselves that you're not that good, that you're not that perfect. And really, if it wasn't for Jesus, where would we be? And this is the reality of what we're seeing here. And what Jesus is dealing with here is is he's dealing with a group of people who are Pharisees, who are the conservative, well, let's say if it was in our day, they would be called the conservative Christians of their day. They're the moral people who got their act together. But rather than expressing the love of Jesus or the love of God to others, what they do is is they stand in judgment of others. They lift themselves up by putting other people down. And I have to be honest with you because, I mean, I was there one time in my life, I'll confess that, we can all fall into that trap where we look down upon others because of the self-righteousness in our lives. And here's the, here's the insidiousness of it. Here's, here's how deceptive self-righteousness is. You can be exactly like the Pharisees and look at this passage and think it's talking about somebody else. It's not talking about you. But the problem is, it may very well be talking about you. In fact, if you go back, look with me at verse 35. Look at what Jesus says in verse 35 of chapter 11 of Luke before we read this passage. He says this, Take, 
Therefore, take heed that the light which is in you is not darkness. Take heed that the light of life, that the light of salvation that you think you've got a hold of in your life, really is not darkness. It's not, you're not deceiving yourself because you're grabbing a hold of something that's really not, it really doesn't matter. Your focus is all wrong. And the problem is, is that when you're wrapped up in self-righteousness, your light is darkness. So I want you to notice with me, we're still at the same dinner. He's having lunch with these folks. I mean, talk about a dinner conversation. Jesus launches right into, after telling them what they need to do, rather than focusing on this whole issue of cleanliness, look at what he does in verse 42. Just in three verses. We're just going to look at three verses today. He pronounces, well, look what it says with me. Look at verse 42. But woe to you, Pharisees, for you tithe mint and rue and all manners of herbs and pass by justice and the love of God. These you ought to have done without leaving the others undone. Woe to you, Pharisees, for you love the best seats in the synagogues and greetings in the marketplaces. Woe to you, scribes and Pharisees, hypocrites! For you are like graves which are not seen, and men who walk over them are not aware of them. Wow. What's he saying here? Because he's obviously, he's obviously concerned about something in their life, because the language there is very strong. So here's what we're going to do. We're going to take these three verses, and we're really going to divide them into four sections here. Because what we're going to see is Jesus' response to them. You see it in each one of these verses. And then you can take each one of these verses and really point out three specific areas about self-righteousness. You're going to see the focus. We're going to see their pride. And then we're going to see the influence of self-righteousness. So let's look, first of all, at what the response is. Jesus starts off with an interesting word, woe. Now, that's a word, can I be honest with you, that we don't use in our everyday talking right here in Kerbinsville, Clearfield. I mean, you don't go to the grocery store and they're out of sugar and you go, oh, whoa, no sugar today. Nobody uses that word, do they? I mean, I was trying to think, when, where do we use that word? I was thinking about a song that they used to sing on Yeehaw years ago. Woe to me. You know, I mean, and, 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 you know and, and it's not a part of our everyday language, but it's here in the Bible. What does it mean? Well, this is Jesus' response. We're going to see a couple things here. Number one, he pronounces a condemnation. Woe is a condemnation. So this is serious. See, here's these guys, and... There they are. They think they got their act together. They're doing all the right stuff. They're the upstanding, church-going folk. Jesus says, woe to you. He's pronouncing a condemnation. Now, here's the other thing I want you to understand. When we talk about woe and the nature of the condemnation, there's a manner in which he says it here. He grieves over their attitudes and actions. Because when he says woe to them... It's not, whoa, like you're going to get it. It's woe from the agony of, of his heart. It's woe that comes from the inside of him of, of pain and grief. It's that kind of woe here. It's, it's a woe, an expression of pain, and a, an expression of emotional hurt 
So when Jesus is pronouncing these, this condemnation on them, it's not like, oh, you're going to get what you deserve. That's not the attitude here he has with them. The attitude he has with them because of their self-righteousness, because of their legalism, because of their, quote, all the ritual that they're doing and, and trying to look good and, and try to be upstanding moral people, he's actually grieved. You know, let me just stop for a moment. I need to give you a side note about the, the nature of God. We see it here in this passage. We see it throughout the Old Testament. In fact, one of the prophets says this, that he does not delight in the destruction of the wicked. You know, God created hell. God created hell as eternal punishment for, the, for Satan and his angels. But those of us who don't know Jesus Christ, we're going to go to hell. And I want you to understand something. We go to hell because we're condemned because of our sin. But when we go to hell, that is not something that God is excited about. He grieves over those who go to hell. This is the nature of God. He doesn't take delight in people getting what they deserve. He grieves them. And so this is the response that we see to Jesus. So when you look at these people who, quote, think they got their act together, and these legalists, and, and they're, they're doing all this stuff, these self-righteous people, you know, that kind of, you know, when we see somebody like that get something, we're like, oh, yeah, they deserve it. That's not Jesus' attitude here. Jesus' attitude is, is he's grieving for them because they're deceived because they can't see it. And believe me, folks, they can't. So I want you to notice what he's pronouncing a condemnation on. First of all, he's going to pronounce a condemnation on, we see it in verse 42, their focus. Look at what they're doing. But woe to you Pharisees, for you tithe mint and rue and all manners of herbs. So let me tell you what they were doing here. First of all, they went the extra mile concerning the trivial. They went the extra mile concerning the trivial. Now, what do you mean the trivial? Well, first of all, in the Old Testament, the Jews were, in the Levitical laws, they were commanded to tithe of their crops. So if you had a crop of barley, you were to take a certain portion of that crop and give it to the Lord, take it to the house of the Lord. And that's what it specifically said. You were to bring the tithe. Now, if you were coming from a long distance and you couldn't, I mean, let's say you had a whole bunch of grain, you couldn't carry that with you, the law prescribed that you then sell that amount and then take the money to the house of the Lord. And so you were to tithe off of your crops. Now, here's what the Pharisees did, because they wanted to go the extra mile over trivial things. They tithed off of their garden in the backyard. So if they had herbs growing in the backyard, they gave a tithe off of their oregano that was growing back there. And their mint and their rue. Now these are herbs. Now I have no clue what any of them are. My wife's the gardener. She knows. But the reality is, is that they would do, I mean they would, they would, they wanted to be so acceptable to God. They went, the, 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 in fact they went beyond what the Bible was telling them to do because the Bible didn't tell them to do that. And here they are, they're going the extra mile concerning the trivial. We've seen that, haven't we, in our churches? Where something is not specifically spoken of in the Bible, but everybody else is supposed to do this one thing, because if you do this one thing, then you look spiritual. And it's a focus on the trivial. They went the extra mile on the trivial. But I want you to notice what the rest of it is. So Jesus is saying, hey, you're, 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 you're tithing off of your mint and rue, 
and all manners of herbs. But here's what you're doing. Look at verse 42. And pass by justice and the love of God. These you ought to have done without leaving the others undone. Here's what he's saying. They ignored what really matters. Here's the problem with self-righteousness, because when you're self-righteous, when, when you're focused on you looking good before God, and, and you go the extra mile, so the Bible says that I'm supposed to give a tenth of my crops, well, hey, I'm going to give a tenth of my garden herbs. I'm going to go the extra mile on the trivial. The problem is, is your focus is on that, on how you're looking good, but you really forget what matters. And specifically, Jesus is talking about two areas here. One is the area of justice, and the other is the love of God. Now, when you look at that word justice, we, our concept of justice, we think in terms of our court system. Yeah, that's an aspect of justice, but here's a definition of justice that we have from the Bible. Justice is doing right by people. Justice is doing right by people. So if people are oppressed, you do right by them. That's justice. And the reality is, he's saying, we should rather be focused on loving God and doing right by others than focusing on whether or not we're given a tenth of our garden herbs. Jesus said, these things you should have done. This is where the focus of a self-righteous focus attitude is, is that it's so focused on the trivial that it just forgets what really matters. And let's be honest, that's what really matters, isn't it? Hey, you know, we're just as guilty. I was listening to a speaker the other day, and he said something that, was, that really rocked my world. So I'm going to share it with you because I want to rock your world today. He was talking about our type of church. And here's what he said. We'll write checks and get excited about what God is doing around the world. But that eases our conscience because we're not doing anything about the people who live around us. See, we look spiritual because we got missionaries on our budget. But when we're talking about people who are struggling right around us, whether it's with drugs or, or unemployment or, or if they can't put food on their table or whatever, we don't have time for them because we're looking good. We're supporting this many missionaries. Folks, that's self-righteousness. Jesus says we're focusing on the trivial than what really matters. See, that's the focus of, of self-righteousness. Here, here's the other thing, the pride of self-righteousness. Look with me at verse 43. This one's pretty self-explanatory, but I will share with you some background here to help you understand what's going on here. He says, Woe to you Pharisees, for you love the best seats in the synagogue and greetings in the marketplace. Here's what happened, the best seats in the synagogue. A synagogue, well, I mean, it's sort of like a church, and... What they would do is, is they would have, everybody would be seated forward, but they would have the best seats, that is the seats that were reserved for the elders, would be up front and they would be facing the congregation. Well, that sounds like what we used to do here, isn't it? And that's what we do in a lot of churches today. And so the really special people would sit up front and face everyone and they would be separate. And so to be one of those special people meant you were special. You were above everyone else. And so when you sat up there, people who would be sitting in the congregation would be saying, Oh, wow, look, there he is today. Ooh, he's special. He got to sit up there with the big guys. 
Here's what's going on here. What Jesus is saying about their whole, their whole pride issue is they loved being recognized by people. This is the issue about where they're sitting. They love being recognized by people. And so when they would go to meals, they, they, you know, and when you had a meal in the Jewish culture, they would have, you know, the seat where the host is, and then the seats on, to the left and the right of him would be open. And when someone special come, would come in, they would ask that somebody special to sit up front because that was a place of honor. And in a lot of places, Jesus would condemn them because they seek the places of honor during the meals. Why? Because when you got to sit in one of those places, everybody else would look at you and go, ooh, they're special. Here's the thing. They wanted that. They loved being recognized. Now here's the other thing. It says right there in that verse, it says, and the greetings in the marketplace... Now let me explain to you what that means. That's not like if we're walking downtown here, Kerwinsville, and I see Brad there. Hey, Brad, how you doing? It's not talking about a greeting like that. It's if you're walking through, it's a formal greeting of an inferior towards a superior. Of, of, a, of an inferior, someone less than, towards a superior. That's what the greeting is. And so when you would walk through, everybody, like if we have a representative walking through town, everyone would go over to the representative or senator or whatever and say, hi, Senator so-and-so, or hi, Representative so-and-so. I mean, he's not greeting you, you're greeting him because he's what? He's got a position of honor. He's got status. And this is what's going on here, and here's what's going on. They needed others to feed their egos. To be able to walk through the marketplace and have everybody greet them. Ooh, there he is. I got to shake his hand today. I've been around too long. There was a time, maybe some of you remember this, when people would take their Bibles. Some of you don't know what I'm talking about. Some of you do. This is how ridiculous we were. And you would go to somebody special and have them sign your Bible. How weird is that? In the secular world, the author signs the Bible, and Jesus is the, God is the author. I think I'd be more worried about God signing my Bible than some other dude. But here's what we're doing. We're doing exactly what the Pharisees loved, and it was feeding their egos. See, they say, hmm, I guess I don't need to worry about that because we don't have any seats up front, and I don't need to worry about those greetings. No, but you know what? Here's the everyday application for you and I as far as our self-righteousness. Maybe you do love being recognized, but it's for other reasons. Maybe you got the best dessert dish at our potlucks, and you just love people coming up to you and saying, Oh, I am so glad you made that. Did you get my call during the week? I was begging you to make it. And you're like, Oh, I was nothing. And on the inside, you're going, Yeah! I did it again! That's self-righteousness, folks. I mean, let's, let's just talk about it. Who's that about? Who's it about? It's not about you serving others with the best of your hands. It's about you getting the acclamation. Isn't it? What? Oh, yeah, we still want you to bring that dessert, okay? <laughs> Don't go home and say, oh, I can't bring that dessert anymore. It's sin. No, no, you bring it, but bring a humble attitude too, okay? Here's their influence. Look with me at verse 44. Now, this one is hard to understand, so I'm going to explain to you what it means here. But woe to you, scribes and Pharisees, hypocrites! For you are like graves which are not seen, and men who walk over them 
are not aware of them. This is the strongest condemnation. You're saying, what in the world is he saying? Here, let me explain to you what's going on. In their culture, in the law, the Levitical laws, to touch a dead body would render you unclean ceremonially before God. So you avoided touching dead bodies. The only time you probably had to is when you did a burial within your own family. And then there was a process of making yourself ceremonially clean before God. Now here's the problem, though. In that day, poor people, when they would bury you, they would bury you somewhere, but they didn't have enough money to maybe put a gravestone or have a tomb. They just buried you in the ground, covered you over. And what Jesus is saying is, you're like an unmarked grave that somebody walks over. He's not aware that he's walking over a grave. Therefore, he becomes ceremonially unclean without even being aware of it. What's Jesus saying here? He's saying that they're like those graves. Let me explain it to you a little bit further. Here's what they're saying. First of all, they saw themselves as pure. You've got to understand this. These Pharisees, these self-righteous people, think they got their act together and they think they're pure. So because they're doing all this stuff, they can walk into a crowd and say, Oh, man, we're okay. We're not like everybody else here. We're perfect. So they saw themselves as pure. But here's the problem. In reality, they contaminated others. They're like those unmarked graves. Somebody walks over them, and they're not aware of it, and they become unclean. He says, you're just like those graves. People come in contact with you, and you contaminate them with the sin and the junk of your life. And you're not even aware of it. It's true. And I would say the more conservative we are as a church and the more legalistic we become, we develop an attitude where we got people who are doing the right things, but we overlook attitudes, we overlook actions, we overlook sins of the heart towards others, meanness. But we won't say anything to them about it because they got all their other stuff together. This is what he's talking about. Because that kind of attitudes of meanness and arrogance and pride, they just rub off on everybody else, don't they? Self-righteousness breeds self-righteousness. This is what Jesus is saying here. You think you've got your act together, but you're just like an unmarked grave. Somebody walks over it and they've been contaminated. You're contaminating others around you, Jesus is saying. Because of your pride and your arrogance. This is what he's saying. And the reality is, listen, the reality is, is that we can look at that and say, man, I am glad I'm not like them. Wrong. We're just like them. It might be at a different level. Because they're extreme. And you can pick them out. And and it's true, we can pick, I mean, if you get together with church folk, you can pick them out. But the reality is, the reality is, we're all just like them. We all struggle with self-righteousness. But what does Isaiah say? That our righteousness is but as rags. Filthy rags. He says, okay, George, how, how do we apply this? I understand this, but and you're saying that I'm dealing with this. How do I apply this? Well, I've got three things for you. Number one, where's your focus? This is really what Jesus is getting at. This is what Luke, the writer, is trying to bring our attention to. Because he wants us to examine this issue of whether or not our light is our darkness. And, and so you've got to ask yourself a key question, especially when it comes to your relationship with Jesus Christ. Especially when it comes to your Christianity and your walk with God. Even as to why you're here this morning. Where's your focus? Is the reason why you're doing what you're doing for justice and the love of God? 
Remember what I said? Justice was doing right by others. Is it because of the love of God that you're doing it? Or is it because of yourself and because you're feeding your own ego? Here's the reality. I mean, I'm going to be honest with you. This is something that I have to constantly deal with and struggle, even as a pastor. Because when I pray and as I think about what we do as a church and, 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 and programs and outreach and, and, and activities that we're doing, even messages that I write, I have to ask myself, I have to pray this prayer to God. God, purify my motives. Purify my motives. Why am I doing what I'm doing? Is it about me? Or is it about you, Jesus? Where's your focus? Because when it's about you, it's about self-righteousness. It's about you looking good. Where's your focus? Which brings up the next question. Are you deceiving yourself? You've got to ask that. That's a hard question. Because here's the thing. If your focus is on you and you looking good, you're not going to see it. You're not going to see it. We're too selfish to see it. You know, I got a great family. I got a great wife, some great kids, and here's a common conversation in my house. When we're sitting around and we're talking about what we're going to do, and, and dad raises an objection, or dad thinks we should do something else, here's the statement that's made. And even my kids say it now. It's all about you, George. Now, at first, that took me aback. Oh, what are you saying? It's all about me. Now we laugh about it. But the reality is that's, what, that's it. I was deceiving myself. Are you deceiving yourself with your, quote, spiritual walk that you have with your service? Here, let me just stop for a moment. Here's the sad thing. When you deceive yourself, the reality is, is it's just yourself who's deceived because everybody else sees it. And there's a term for it. Jesus used it right here in verse 44. Hypocrite. Are you deceiving yourself? It's easy, isn't it? Here's what you need to do. Recognize the condition of your heart. Recognize the condition of your heart. Recognize where you're really at. I mean, if you're, if you're self-absorbed and if you're, it's all about you and, and it's all about you and looking good and everything, you've got to recognize that and go to God and say, God, I, I'm, I'm an egotistical bum. I'm filled with pride. I need help. See, here's the thing. When you, when you recognize that you've got to do something, here's what you've got to do. You've got to admit it. And we don't have a self-righteousness anonymous group here, okay? But here's who you admit it to. You go to God and you say, God, I am who you see me to be. I'm just realizing it myself. Forgive me. Forgive me for the self-righteousness. Forgive me for my attitude towards others. Forgive me. Help me to be humble. Purify my motives. And help me to focus on what really matters. 
others and you. Thank you for being with us this morning. And we trust that today's message has been both challenging and an encouragement to your heart. At Kerwinsville Christian Church, a warm welcome is always extended to you. We're located at 700 State Street, Kerwinsville, Pennsylvania. For more information about our ministry, please visit us on the web at www.kerwinsvillechristian.org. Now, on behalf of George Cannon and the entire church family, we hope that you will look to the Heavenly Father in all that you face this coming week.